Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From m and rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellasai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Uh, has anybody come into your apartment and licked your hand <laughs> in the last week? <laughs> a lot of people have come into my mentions. Uh, thank you, everyone. Please stop tweeting me about it because it's now just <laughs> becoming scary. But I'm glad I didn't make that up, and I'm glad you're all as traumatized as I am about that scary story. BT Dubs, if you missed it, Barry talked last week about this urban legend that people used to tell as kids when you had, like, your hand exposed before you went to sleep. Okay, it wasn't an urban... It's just a scary story. It was, like, a scary story to tell around a campfire. That's all it was. Yeah. But I, I think it was, like, was in a, a movie and stuff, but it was actually a human. And yeah. And scary. And apparently a bunch of people have come forward and corroborated <laughs> her claims because I'd never heard that story. To be fair... Uh, I didn't have any friends. And you didn't go outside. All right. Well, let's get on with today's episode. As always, we're going to kick things off first with Worst Things First, where I chat about the worst news of the week. After that, we are diving deep into sidewalk etiquette. Because if you thought there wasn't shit to complain about when it comes to a hunk of concrete we walk on every day, well then guess what, sirs and madams? You clearly don't know me at all. And finally, we've got Karen Chi on the pod. She's a comedian, a writer. You've seen her on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and you've seen her words in little-known publications like, oh, The New Yorker and McSweeney's. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's jump over the sidewalk cracks so we don't break Debbie's back and start the show. All right, worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week first. Authorities in Mexico City say the reason that subway escalators are always broken down? Oh, just huge amounts of pee-pee. 
Oh, no. <laughs> you mean it doesn't act as lubrication for the escalators? I don't know what exactly is in urine, apparently, in Mexico City that is just degrading the public infrastructure, <laughs> but apparently that's what's happening. Yeah. They had, like, a, a report released by the Mexico City Metro, like, officials that said that among the top five causes of escalator breakdowns was just urine. Urine was penetrating and corroding the wheels and mechanisms of the escalators. I used to be afraid of my shoelace getting stuck in the escalator (laughs) and then getting sucked under and going around and around and around because my brother and sister used to tell me that when I was little. Never thought about peeing there, though. Yeah, remember when that happened like two years ago? What? That little girl got like eaten. Are you serious right now? (laughs) This is not good for me to know about. There was a very graphic video of it that got, got like shared on Twitter. Because it was, like, caught on tape. Oh, no. There was, like, just a character, like, Little Timmy or something like that that my brother and sister used to, like, put into different situations to scare me. And the escalator was the one that was, like, the most haunting. And it's (laughs) deeply upsetting. That and grates. Sidewalk grates. Yeah. That, like, Little Timmy fell down. Never was seen again. Uh, Little Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) Least scary or threatening name. Oh. Oh. Anyway. Well. A surefire way to escape a situation like that is just to piss all over it. Wow. Because then that escalator will stop working. Next! A man in Iowa is asking a judge for a trial by combat to settle his dispute with his ex-wife. Sick. Yeah. Guess what? Guess what century it is? Whatever century they did that in. (laughs) I don't know. Was that like 1920? Was that ever a thing? I assume it's actually a thing. I literally only know it from Game of Thrones. I mean, if it's in Game of Thrones, then it's real. Yeah. Dragons were real. Daenerys was real. Fucking trial by combats were real. You joust, I joust, we joust. When you joust, I joust. Just like that. (laughs) According to court filings, the man requested that the judge allow him to engage in a sword fight with his ex-wife and her attorney so he can, quote, rend their souls from their bodies. (laughs) I'm sorry. I got a little lost there. Can you just (laughs) bring it to me one more time? According to court filings, the man requested that the judge allow him to engage in a sword fight with his ex-wife and her lawyer... Oh, wow. So that he can, quote, rend their souls from their bodies. All right. Okay. Yeah. All so right. So this is not just deciding. He's deciding their eternal fates. Mm-hmm. He's I, literally stabbing their souls out. I am so happy for this woman and that she is getting out of this marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been happier for a woman. Yeah. So the 40-year-old man and his ex-wife, they've been caught up in some legal disputes over custody, visitation issues, property tax payments. And according to the man, the judge – so the man was like, I – so the man asked the judge and he was like, I believe you have the power to resolve – to let us resolve our disputes on the field of battle legally. (laughs) (laughs) Adding in his filing, the trial by combat, quote, has never been explicitly banned or restricted as a right in these United States. Damn. Yeah. Uh, ever heard of someone called um, Alexander Hamilton? Oh. Yeah. They did a whole show about him <laughs> and how famously he died <laughs> because of a duel. I love this. I got to call up Leon, ask him about the legality of this. Yeah, when, how come we don't do like duels anymore? <laughs> I'm, I don't know, maybe because it's fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I guess like straight bros still basically do duels. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, the man in court at, also asked the judge for 12 weeks' time so he could secure Japanese samurai swords. Because you can't just enter a duel with any old sword. If you're going to do trial by combat, you do have the right to get samurai swords. I'm surprised he doesn't already have them. Yeah. I The one part that I'm like, okay, I don't know if this makes it better or worse, but I, I, I guess the man was like frustrated by how absurd his ex-wife's attorney was being. And so he was like, I'm going to meet your absurdity with just more absurdity. Mm. So I don't know if he's like self-aware or insane or both. But his ex-wife's attorney had to like give up actual like legal response. (laughs) And he said, quote, because a duel could end in death, such ramifications likely outweigh those of property tax and custody issues. He had to be he had to like (laughs) legally be like, actually, (laughs) we can't do this because one of you might die, which is, of course, the point of trial by combat. So, oh, who's the lawyer now? I knew that from seeing one episode of television. (laughs) Basically, in the end, the judge issued a ruling that was like, I'm not issuing any decisions right now. So this is outstanding. Good. Anyway, super cool that these people get to be the first in the country to pick the president. (laughs) Happened in Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) And finally... A woman in the U.K. has won a four-year court battle costing more than 20,000 pounds in lawyers' bills in order to ban her neighbor from feeding her cat. Guess what? Don't come anywhere near my pussy because <laughs> you are getting what? Sued. How fat's this cat now? I hope it's the fattest cat. I want to see it so bad. (laughs) So here's what happened. This woman and her husband, they got a cat named Ozzy. But Ozzy started spending a whole bunch of time away from their house. And they were like, oh, we're upset. Our kids are upset because our fucking cat is not at home. Which I never, I still don't quite, like, I was never raised with animals that were, like, outside of our house. Yeah. Like, having outdoor pets is not, like, a suburban well, I don't know. I, I had a friend who had, like, an outdoor-indoor cat. It's not that unusual. I guess so. <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my mom was far too paranoid to ever allow us yeah, to have, no. like, a cat flap anywhere. They attached a GPS collar to Ozzy and discovered that he was spending a whole bunch of time around their neighbor's house, this neighbor who lived like four doors down, and they said the neighbor was feeding and grooming Ozzy and on at least eight separate occasions went so far as to remove Ozzy's collar and replace it with another one with (laughs) her phone number. (laughs) Just like fully like colonized this cat. Um... And then eventually the couple hired a lawyer to, like, get an injunction against their neighbor to stop taking Ozzy from them. You know what? I think Ozzy should be able to decide for herself. Yeah, himself. For himself. Uh, Even though all cats are women. (laughs) Yeah. Have these people seen Air Bud? You put it in the middle and you call its name. The sad reality is that with Ozzy, because Ozzy's a cat, he'd probably just, like, wander off somewhere else. <laughs> like, you would not choose. <laughs> um, yeah. Because <laughs> be like, cats I don't have no give souls. a shit about you guys. So, because this is the UK, this led to a heated exchange of letters. <laughs> and, Sent by Owl? 
<laughs> yes. And the neighbor, the neighbor who's trying to steal Ozzy was like, he's very loved and well cared for here. He's very attached to his territory. Surely leaving him where he's determined to be and where you can be reassured he's settled and happy and healthy is the best thing for everyone involved, both feline and human. Um, and to which the real owners responded, he's not your cat <laughs> and we're not giving him to you. <laughs> I love how this woman is like, he chose me. I'm taking care of him now. And they have to be like, no, get your own fucking cat. Anyway, um, the case was to be heard at trial, but finally they negotiated um, and settled after the woman made a series of legally binding promises to restrict her interaction with Ozzy. We need to start a GoFundMe page to get this lady a cat because she deserves one. Yeah, also just, like, get a cat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get your attachment to this. And again, it's very Airbud. And, like, yeah, I wouldn't tell the family of Airbud to just go get another Airbud. Even though famously they made, like, ten other Airbud movies, so there are a a bunch of potential Airbuds. But anyway... I don't care about this cat anymore. Cats aren't real. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're hitting the pavement. Get it? We're, we're hitting the streets. Like, with a, we're hitting them. Like, with we're, our complaints? We're going to hit them with our complaints. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right. Well, I'm a homo, which does mean that scientifically speaking, when I walk down the sidewalk, I walk at least one and a half times faster than the average hetero. That's just science. Okay. Gays walk faster. This has been Science with Matt. Mostly because we have places to be and human interaction to avoid. And that's especially true in the winter because I have an iced coffee in my hand and it's searing its way through my epidermis. And people are getting in my goddamn way. And famously, my biggest pet peeve is people who aren't spatially aware. All I ask, and I really ask for so little in life, besides everything, (laughs) is that you pay the fuck attention to what the fuck is happening around you. But sadly, we live in a world where people don't respect my feelings. So I'm forced to start a podcast and rant about how people need to learn the rules of the sidewalk. So let's get into it. This is Matt's Sidewalk Etiquette. First, please keep your vagrant child tethered, muzzled, and out of my way at all times. Honestly, I could use one of those backpacks that has a little animal tail as a leash on it. Like, someone should put that on me. The number of times that I'm walking down the street and some flaky nostrilled little girl in an Elsa costume in January is just zooming her way down the street on a scooter, propelling herself forward with some raggedy light-up sneakers that ran out of batteries like a year ago, is far too much! 
I don't know if this is a thing in other cities or rural areas or even suburbs, but for those who don't know, in New York City, people walk so fast that they force their children to be on scooters. (laughs) So they all just scoot around. Like, that is not something that I saw growing up. It wasn't until I moved to New York where I was like, I mean, you you go on a Razor scooter for fun, but not like because your legs don't move (laughs) fast enough to keep up with everyone else. I guess so. I never thought about it as them having it I to me I only witness it as like these children are slowing their adults down because they always have to wait for them to like catch up on no, their no, scooters no no I think it's the other way around I think it's like my kid's too slow to keep up on these mean streets we gotta put them on something mobile we gotta put them on wheels they have like no regard for any other people's space no, absolutely not <laughs> they're just they're just zigzagging all over the place also they zooming get, in and out they get to the end of the sidewalk like to a street corner and you just hear the parents screaming like don't cross don't cross please don't cross. look at me look at me stay right there because like their kid is probably dumb enough to just go right into the street literally yesterday I was walking to get coffee and just in the middle of the sidewalk it looked from my vantage point like just a baby basket I don't know what you call them (laughs) with like a blanket over it Uh and I got closer like it was nobody else was around it and it was a little girl bent over tying her shoe (laughs) (laughs) from behind she was literally in an Elsa costume (laughs) in January the bottom of it was filthy obviously because she probably has only worn that every single day since Halloween (laughs) But yeah, the number of little girls in Elsa costumes that I have to like maze around, it's too many. It's too many. I shouldn't have to fear for my life when I'm walking down the street just because your feral offspring is thrashing its way down the sidewalk. If you're going to take your child out of its cage and walk it down the street, it better be in a goddamn straight jacket. I want that thing's limbs restricted. The only acceptable situation I'll find a, a child in is if they if they lead them with a rope. I do love when like a little daycare center has those long ropes with like a bunch of little knobs that all the little kids hold on to and they're all just holding on to this one rope being guided through. That is like I, I think a recent one of the cutest things. <laughs> I feel like that is a recent technological advancement and maybe one of the most important ones of our time. Yeah. I we always just had like a, a maybe a rope or like the buddy system where you just like hold each other's hands and that's gross and creates a lot of difficult social situations as, for a young child. <laughs> right. So you didn't does have Bobby a buddy. like me, or does he just have to hold my hand because we have to cross the street? <laughs> Is this a court ordered uh, <laughs> companionship? Next, if you have a stroller. It better have a dog in it. (laughs) If I'm going to be inconvenienced and have to move out of the way of your fucking approaching stroller and it's not a dog, it's actually a baby, I'll I'll body check your whole caravan. (laughs) I don't give a fuck. If you're going to have a stroller on the sidewalk, it better have a dog in it and that dog better be wearing sunglasses. However, one of my favorite things about winter is caterpillar season, which is when all babies become caterpillars and are just put into their little sleeping bags. You know what I'm talking about? In their strollers. Where it's like just a face. Yeah. And they're just like in these little bags. (laughs) And it's just like, where'd the body go? Yeah. I just am like, there's no greater thrill to me than when you have to move out of the way of an approaching stroller. And then when you look back, there's actually just a dog in it. 
I agree. I guess you can always usually tell when it's going to be a dog, and that's because, like, the person pushing it is a 90-year-old woman. (laughs) (laughs) Is someone who would not be trusted with the baby otherwise. Next! If you're not paying attention, you deserve to be pushed into traffic. Okay? Look up! Be alert! Pay the fuck attention! If you're looking at your phone, I reserve the right to scream directly into your face. And so help me God, if you are reading a book whilst walking, I hope you get hit by a truck! Nothing infuriates me more than someone reading while walking. Really? Because when I see that, I'm just like, mmm, fuck me? (laughs) (laughs) So romantic? That is the most deranged no, thing I've so ever dumb. seen. Yeah, have you ever heard of an audiobook? <laughs> That's what I started doing. Sure. But like there's no there's no physical way that you can be doing both. Because there's no way that your brain is retaining the information of you that you're reading if you're also having to pay attention to where you're walking. Also, you're not doing either one properly. They're probably stepping in like mm, four to five dog shits per block. I hope so. I hope so, too. I desperately hope so. I I think I've said this story before of when I was in college and I there were there was a girl not paying attention while she was walking and she was wearing open-toed sandals and she hit a squirrel carcass. <laughs> <laughs> and the sound of the squirrel carcass thudding no. out in front of her after fuzzily touching her tips of her toes. Oh, my the most God. satisfying karmic sound I've ever heard. Because she deserved every brush, every bacterial brush. <laughs> I loved it. Next! Don't just stop and have a whole-ass conversation in the middle of the sidewalk. Move out of the way! Relatedly, if you don't know where you're going and you need to stop and reorient yourself, or if you spontaneously diarrhea yourself, or if you suddenly remember that you left your youngest child in the attic and now you're in an airport on the way to France, step aside! My general rule is that if you wouldn't fucking do it on the highway, don't do it on the sidewalk. That's maybe the best piece of advice you've ever given on this <laughs> podcast. It's maybe the wisest thing you've ever said. Yeah, the, the amount of actions that people take when they're walking that you wouldn't do in a car is like uh, uh, awe-inspiring in the worst way. You wouldn't stop and have a fucking conversation in the middle of the highway. Don't do it on the fucking sidewalk. Move to the side. Next! This is my rule that I made up. You have three seconds to take a picture in public. That's it. That's your, that's your cur- you have a courtesy three seconds to take a photo where I don't get in the fucking way. And with phones these days, that's like a hundred photos. Yeah. My sidewalk etiquette rule book says you have three uninterrupted seconds before I'm walking in front of the goddamn camera. Don't, no, oh, hold out a hand. Oh, one, one second. We just have to take this picture. No, you have three seconds, and that's it. If you didn't get the shot, sorry, bitch. (laughs) I'm walking in front. The number of pictures that I'm definitely in the background of, (laughs) rolling my eyes, is every photo that's been taken in New York. Also, don't stop and then just spit anywhere on the sidewalk. If you're going to spit, spit into the street. I once was walking down, and it wasn't quite Liz Lemon style, but I was walking down the sidewalk, thankfully was wearing like a large winter coat, and a dude spit, and I looked down at my arm, and it was on my <laughs> fucking arm. And I turned around and I screamed, you spit on my arm, jackass. But he kept walking. He didn't know. He didn't care. But like, if you're going to spit, just do it into the street. Don't do it on the sidewalk. 
It was also like right near Bryant Park. Like that's those are very busy sidewalks. Yeah. Again, it's just the basics of like just be aware of what is happening around you before you like make a move. It's physics. It's wind. Um also people who just ride your bumper. Like I know my ass is fat with a pH. Okay? Because we've been doing what? Squats. But unless you have a personal invitation to park your meat car in my anal garage, back the fuck up. And finally, do not form some impenetrable sex in the city gang wall that I have to rent rover my way through. It's when, when people just walk like arm in arm and there's four people across and you take up the whole fucking sidewalk. Two by two. This isn't little women, all right? You're not skipping down some frosty snow gloss New England street with your sisters. I wish it were, though. Yeah, unless you literally are. That might be your situation, but probably not. Probably you're walking down the sidewalk and there's people everywhere and you and your gal pals are just getting in the fucking way because you're marching down the street like this some kind of military parade. Sorry, but you have to make some uncomfortable choices about who you care about <laughs> because, yeah, it should be two by two at most and you're going to have to kick everybody else to the back. And I know this as someone who is frequently the person who gets put <laughs> into the back, mostly because I'm so spatially aware that I'm like, fine, I'll take the L for everybody and be the one that awkwardly follows. Anyway, that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Karen Chi in the studio right now. All right, my guest complainer today is Karen Chi. She writes for Late Night with Seth Meyers. She's written for the Golden Globes. She hosts comedy shows all over Brooklyn. Welcome, Karen. <gasps> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. Well, before we get into anything, I, I ask everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Yes. Okay, my answer is ready. I really dislike warm beaches. <laughs> like anytime. <laughs> Not to be confused with a cold yes, beach. Yes. No, actually, I love cold beaches. I'm from Northern California where every beach is freezing and that's perfect. Okay, okay, I see. Yeah. I'm picturing like the opposite of a of a not cold beach is like Antarctica. Yes, Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I would really thrive there. <laughs> I would have the exact right number of friends, which is like two penguins. Right. Um, yeah, it would be so fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess when you say a Northern California beach, yes. that puts it in perspective. Yes. Because I, I do yeah. like that, too. I think I like beaches because they're moody, you know, and it's like I get to go and I get brewed a little bit and right. nature's like on my side. Right. So anytime I go and it's really warm and everyone's like mostly naked, it makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, I think the first time I went to, like, an L.A. beach yeah. and saw, like, actual, like, beach lifeguards, mm-hmm. it just felt like, this isn't real. Yeah, what is this? A yeah, like, book? Baywatch yeah. is fantasy. There's no way these people were ever, that's not, like, a real profession. Yes. But it it, it, it is, very much. I think so. L.A. beaches would also piss me off because I imagine everyone there would be so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is upsetting. I, it is <laughs> genuinely upsetting. But I do, like, I went to... Um, visit a friend who has a, a place, her family has a place in Tahoe, Ooh. which are all, it's mostly freezing because mm-hmm. that it's like a, a mountain lake yes. that is like several thousand feet in the air. Yes. And so the water is freezing 
And yeah, I like fully wore flannel to the beach That's, and it was, yeah. it was liberating. It truly, okay, so I think it's partly that I really like being fully clothed, that I also enjoy being fully clothed at the beach. <laughs> like the environment is really great and I always want to be wearing at least two layers over every inch of my skin. All, all year round? <laughs> yes, all year yeah, round. I feel that. I feel that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to embrace more skin generally. I'm trying to, you know, get away from, you know, some body acceptance. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I should say I'm not against body acceptance. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm very... I'm not implying that you are. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm very body positive. I just, for me personally... Right, right. I to love each his own, yeah. Having clo- like, I, when I go to bed at night, I'm wearing a full pajama set every night. I love that. Thank Wait, you. Do, do they, are they enclosed feet? No, they're not enclosed feet because I like wearing socks. Okay. Yes. Wow. Except in the summer when I'm going crazy and I take off my socks. <laughs> <laughs> Truly wild. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, socks to sleep is it, it, it is deranged. Yes. Uh, I I don't want to just <laughs> come right out of the gate no, calling you. you insane, but I that is insane. It. I um, think okay, there's a really lovely feeling of having washed your feet, dried them, and put on clean <laughs> socks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, there was a time when I thought literally everything in Oprah's favorite things was like the most luxurious item you could possibly purchase for yourself. Yes. Um, before like Goop existed, and then I was like, right. "Oh, this is like true luxury yeah, in, in, a, in a way that it's like not even human." Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was one year where she. There's specifically like socks that you put on after you've like moisturized your feet. Wait, wait, what? And they're super fuzzy. <gasps> But they're like specifically, see, I come from a family where, okay, I used to wash my hands way too much because I was like a clinical germaphobe as a child. Yeah. I also realize now, okay, I'm going on like a crazy rant here. When I'm home in Chicago, my family's house is so dry. So I'm like, oh, this is why this happened. But when I was a kid, I would wash my hands a lot and my hands would get chapped. And then every night I'd put uh, moisturizer on them and my mom would say, just put socks on your hands. (gasps) What? (laughs) So I would go to sleep with socks over my moisturized, lubed hands. Oh, my God. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, there's, there's specific garments just for putting on after you've moisturized. That, I did not know about that. That almost feels like you were Elsa in Frozen, being like, I have to contain my powers. I must put on socks. It makes it seem much more, uh, yeah, cool than what it actually was, which right. was just me with, like, white gym socks on my hands. Wait, that's actually very cute. How old were you when this was happening? Probably, like, 17. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sure I was, like, eight or nine. Okay, that's yeah. adorable, then. That's sure. very cute. Yeah. I think it's very cute. But then when I got older and I was like, okay, I don't have to wash my hands every 15 minutes. Yes, yeah. uh, With scalding hot water. Oh. Yeah. I've embraced, especially moving to New York, I'm like, oh, everything is a germ. There's no way. Yeah. Someone is coughing into my face almost constantly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we really got away. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is delightful. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think... Sleeping is the, like, I like to keep my bedroom really cold. Yes, yeah. It's that temperature. Usually, I know it's crass, but the 69 degree temperature range. Oh, a perfect temp. Is yes. the perfect sleeping temp. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like if I wear socks, it's just, I'm waking up fully wet. Oh, no. Everything is soaking. Yeah. I mean, I also like it when it's cold. I think it's mostly that I love feeling cozy. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, I don't know, even at the end of the day, 
I don't something about putting on a clean pair of socks that like brings me so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a a, a very Nice feeling. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so do you embrace that lifestyle? Or are you also like lighting candles, like reading books by a log fire? Well, okay. So I don't light candles because I'm afraid of fire. And then okay. <laughs> that answers the second question of I don't read by fires because I'm scared. Sure. Yeah. The idea of a fire, I love it. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty anti-candle too. Okay. I I try Oh. I, like, want to light candles. Do you like it because of the ambiance or the smells or? It's more the ambiance, mm-hmm. which I guess I, I could easily solve this by purchasing an unscented candle. Sure, yes. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, like, every every candle that I get that I, like, think I like the smell of, after five minutes of it burning, I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever smelled. It's, like, in my skin. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can smell it when I'm not here. yes. Like, years from now, I will remember the scent, and it will be inside of me. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) I also don't really like scented candles, but mostly because I don't have a strong sense of smell. Yeah. So I'm sort of just like, why would I pay money to do this thing that doesn't affect me at all (laughs) and just scares me a little bit? Yeah. I've definitely gone the route of, like... Maybe I'm just, like, not spending enough on candles. Maybe I need the, like, luxury, the true... Yeah. And then... There's no way to say this without it just sounding like a complete name drop, but at, at this point, this is where I am and with this situation. Okay, la-di-da. <laughs> Let's go. I just, I, I did this whole thing with Harry Styles. Oh, my, what? Okay, cool, carry on. <laughs> um, Because I, yeah, long story short, I've been in a very emphatic Harry Styles fan for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to host the, like, Instagram takeover of his one of his accounts for his like album release concert in LA amazing so we got to film something briefly together in his green room and he had these diptyque candles or diptyque however however you say it's the fancy candles And I'm trying to, like, I I wish I'd written down what the scent was. Right. So I could recreate it for so many reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the scent alone, I was like, oh, this is what, like, the best smelling room I've ever been in wow. smells like. Was it, like, a flowery smell? It was, like, floor. It was that, like, sensitive man smell. Not <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not not to imply uh, or to impose the binary on no, this. No, no, no. I'm excited. Um yeah, it's that smell that's like, okay, this is the smell of a man, but a man who, like, gets it. Okay. So, like, Maybe sandalwood. Maybe I've just never <laughs> met a man who's got it before. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, yeah. Interesting. It was, like, yeah, like, like, foresty. Oh. Like a forest after a rain. Okay, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, not, what, not like, woody. Oh. Not, like, lumberjacky smell. Yes, it's, like, the smell of something that might be about to bloom. Right, <laughs> yes. exactly. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was amazing, and I'm chasing that. I'm chasing that scent. That's wonderful. I hope you find it. Thank you. Did I read you didn't have a TV or you just were restricted? The TV that you had, your family was like, we're, we're not going to watch this all of the time. Yeah, we had a, a physical TV until I was in high school, I think. Okay. It was very restricted. And also we didn't have any channels beyond the first like eight right i think um and so one of them was pbs kids which was the only channel i was allowed to watch until i was like 13 uh-huh. and i wasn't allowed to watch on weekdays unless it was like friday after school yeah so i didn't really know anything about tv beyond 
Arthur <laughs> until I was solidly in eighth grade. That is, I mean, that is a pretty solid foundation. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. I still watch Arthur. It's, I think, one of the most, like, it's like one of the smartest shows I've ever seen. It is, just in terms of, like, things that have continued being relevant on the yes! internet. Oh my God. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen any recent episodes, but they have ones that really tackle serious issues for young children in a way that I'm like, this is really educational and empathetic and kind. The last time that I really, well, I don't know the last episode I saw. Okay. But the last episode that I heard a lot about was Mr. Ratburn's gay wedding. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Also, because I think Mr. Ratburn has two sisters who are both gay that aren't that, but that's like not the main thing about their lives. Do you know, it's just like, this is a gay wedding, but it's a wedding, and then here are two more characters who you are led to assume are gay, and then you don't talk about it. And just it's normalized in a really right, right. fun way for kids. Also, they, yeah. Mr. Rapper's parents, like, hit the jackpot. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> Three gay children. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I... Miss Radburn's husband is also low-key hot for an animated animal. I was watching it being like, wow, good for you, Nigel Radburn. Yeah, I need to I need to watch the actual episode. I'll send you uh, a link. At this point, I think all of the memes were just enough to sustain me. And sure, I was like, sure. all right, I get it. I think almost seeing the episode would, would ruin this moment for me. Yeah. But it sounds like it holds up. So Oh, it does. It's so sweet. They also had an episode maybe about three years ago. Maybe a little more where they had um, Congressman John Lewis on, mm-hmm. which is incredible. And um, it was about like sit in protests and the importance of protesting and having your voice heard. <laughs> Way to go, Arthur. I know. I was like really moved by it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was always like. There was PBS, so they were yeah. always they were always trying to shove library cards at us. Yes, and, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sounds so like uh, you know comedy stereotypical, but like growing up without a lot of those like TV pop culture references, mm-hmm. growing up in a functional household, <laughs> you really yeah you bucked it all. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> it it is... seems like you were like a good student. I was. I was a big nerd. I loved school. My Same. parents. I remember. Um, this is something that has come up in conversation recently because I have a niece who seems to be a carbon copy of who I was as a child, uh-huh. where her parents were like, hey, let's we're going to take a week off from school because she's seven. So it's not crazy for her to take a week off from school, right? And they're like, yeah, we'll take a week off. We're going to visit your grandparents. We're going to go away and then we'll be back. And she's always like, I can't miss school. Like, this is important to yeah. me that I learn. <laughs> and that's sort of exactly <laughs> how I was when I was little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like... I think a lot about how stressed I was in school. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you felt that way. Yes, I, no, totally. Where it was just like, I I felt like, A, it was, it was easy for me to be like, here are the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I, I want to be in the honors classes and the AP classes. It was like clear goals. Yeah. But also goals that I had to like overwork myself to get. Yeah. I don't think I will ever match the work ethic I had in high school. No. I feel like some people had social lives I did not. <laughs> um, yeah, high school was wild. It was it was yeah. really insane. 
Uh, there was an interview of of yours that I was r- reading before this Ooh. about. Um, yeah, I did some very basic research. Oh my gosh! Thank you. I'm so flattered. <laughs> um, but I I loved that you said that you weren't sure that you'd go into comedy. You were also considering speech writing or something in math. Yes. Yeah. I was <laughs> Which kind is of... just the most like disparate <laughs> spread. <laughs> I was all over the place. I really liked math, and I did a lot of. Uh, sort of math classes and research and stuff starting in high school and then very quickly realized after getting to college that I really enjoyed it, but I just wasn't that passionate about it. Right. And then I liked speech writing probably for the same reason that I like comedy writing, Mm -hmm. which is just like shaping a thought in a palatable way to people. Right. And one is to make them agree with you or understand something and the other one is to make them laugh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still pretty much the same. Yeah, I was always the same the same way. I mean, I was like a big math and science person. You were? Yeah. I love that. I was a mathlete MVP. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That's huge. <laughs> my my one real accomplishment, I think it was just that the bar was extremely low. No. Um, but I like skipped freshman year math. Hell yeah. Just math. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we, I, we like everybody tested and then me and one other, I think it was one other guy. Uh-huh tested into the sophomore year, which is, like, not good for the development of my social life. No, I think that's Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my closest friends from high school are still—their names are Jeremy and Vicky, and I met them because of my math class because they were a few years above me, and I would not have known them otherwise. But I'm still very close with them, and Vicky recently got engaged. (laughs) (laughs) We're thrilled. Yeah, your experience much more fruitful socially than (laughs) mine was. Everybody in my school was like, all right, you're one year younger than us oh, no. and you're in the same class fuck off <laughs> um yeah but i think it is it it took me a while and i still don't know if i if i've gotten there mentally of thinking about comedy as whichever whichever side of the brain is the math side yeah of like yeah you can you can apply that kind of like methodical you know it doesn't you can't like plug words into like a, a equation right, and expect right, right. to like get something funny out of it. Yeah. But there is a certain like, you know, you put this word here, this word here, and it ends up being funnier. No, I think you're absolutely right. I almost feel like when I'm writing, it feels very formulaic. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully if I've written it well enough, then when you're listening, it doesn't sound formulaic. You right, know? right. Um, but when you're writing something, it definitely feels like you're assembling a puzzle of some kind. Although I will say sometimes there's like the spark of yeah. something just ridiculous or silly. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing where you're like, I don't know why it's funny, but I think it's very funny and I'm going <laughs> to yeah. try it. Yeah. 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 There are certain. I mean, it's like anything where it's like you can't explain why like a, a, a squirrel is funnier yes. than a, a hamster. But it's, I think it's the other way around. Objectively. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I never thought I would do comedy. But it sounds like you, from like a little early on, knew that was an interest. Yeah, I wanted to do comedy um, pretty much since my freshman year of high school. But then it didn't become my main, like, absolutely certain this is it for me until college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, that was when I, in eighth grade, I first realized that television comedy was a genre that existed. Right. And I was like, holy crap, this is so funny. I, like, didn't even know 
this could be possible. Like, it just felt like my world had exploded. Um, and then starting my freshman year, I remember being, like, very interested in who was writing what shows and then Googling to see which writers were doing what else and sort of tracking that and seeing mm-hmm. what that meant and what this world was like. And then I got really obsessed with just, like, note-taking while watching comedy shows and trying to figure out wh- how somebody does something like that. Right. Um yeah, and so I would also go and find interviews of comedians. I liked being like, oh, what inspired them? And then go back and watch those shows. And then I would go back like decades to the point where I was like, I don't really understand what's going on and right. I don't understand this type of humor anymore. But I wanted to have that full context for things. Mm-hmm. I think I especially felt the need to catch up just because I hadn't seen anything like that right, yet right. before. What is your media diet like now? Um, wow, what a cool, sophisticated way to put it. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> I I read a lot. Um, I'm kind of like a compulsive reader, I think. And so if I'm ever at home just without something too um, urgent to do, I'm like, I just want to chill out and read for a bit. And then... Read at like books? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, but what an unsophisticated follow-up. No. <laughs> you read books? <laughs> no, but I mean, no, it's a great question because sometimes you read Yeah, maybe magazines or, yeah. yeah, something. Um, tweets. He, sure, sure. Yeah, a tiny little book at you a can, time. You can read anything. <laughs> yeah, you can. Street signs, I love them. <laughs> They're very informative. Um, Yeah, no, I read a lot of books. I watch a lot of TV, but um, I think because I write jokes every day, I the idea of going home and watching more jokes is sometimes a little bit exhausting to right, me. Right, right. And so I really like watching, like, The Great British Bake Off I really like. You know Obviously, I mean? yeah. yeah. <laughs> things that are calming, things that aren't too... Something that I won't watch and be like, oh, I wonder what the structure is. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I watch a lot of British panel shows sort of going off of Bake Off where... Um, those I really like because there's a very loose structure, and then it's a whole bunch of comedians sort of sitting around and shooting the shit, and that yeah. feels like funny conversation to me. And so I'm not ever thinking like, oh, jokes. I'm just sort of like, ha, 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 and I can enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. The only one I really know is, is it the Graham Norton show? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a chat show. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, that's very fun because he just has a bunch of celebrities on. They have genuine conversations. Right. Yeah. Um, there are also a whole bunch that are loosely game shows, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh-huh. But the most fun part is just the banter in between right. and not whether or not they're actually playing a game. But a lot of them are trivia-based, which I really like. And then there's one called 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, which is a bunch of comedians <laughs> from the show called 8 Out of 10 Cats. And then they do Countdown, which is they sit around and they do like word puzzles and number puzzles. <laughs> this is... Uh, it sounds I'm, like your show, yeah, really. I'm being really cool. <laughs> No, um, I, I'm like, I need to remember all of these. Yeah, I'll send I you a list. Go. I bet you would love it. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we only have a little bit of time left. Okay. So I want to transition to a segment we call Elaborate, which is some tweets we found where you've said you've hated or disliked something <laughs> yes. that I will have you elaborate on. Oh, my God. Um, dating is hoping someone is the best person in the world until you realize that they are, in fact, the worst person in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> Nothing more to say. <laughs> I feel that so hard. Yeah. It's just a slow burn of, oh, I really think this person is it. And then you realize I never want to see them again. Right. Yeah. I think I am also, this says a lot about my like psyche, but like I have to do the mental gymnastics of convincing myself that they are the worst person in yeah. order to like move on. Ugh, that's true. That's yeah. Nice. I have to be like, I have to kill you off in my head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, yeah. no other way uh, before I can, yeah, move on. 
<laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to pick which one I want to. Yeah. Also, I I realized how horrible it is to just read jokes back at you. Um, no, this is this is very fun. <laughs> I love to, I love talking to you. <laughs> uh, nothing quite like eating salt and vinegar chips to remind myself how much I hate eating salt and yes. vinegar chips. <laughs> I hate salt and vinegar chips, and yet every time there's a free bag of salt and vinegar chips, I go, maybe this is the day my palate has changed. <laughs> That is one of those flavors that you almost like forget what it tastes like until you're like 10 chips in. Yes. I also have this thing where I'm like, I started this bag knowing I would hate it and I need, I like have this responsibility to finish it. And then I will have an entire bag of salt and vinegar chips, just despising every second of it. (laughs) Also, like, what is vinegar? What is it? (laughs) What is vinegar? Where does it come from? That's a really good question. I have no idea where it comes from. And yet I stuff it into my body. Yeah, like yeah. I know I know where salt comes from. Okay. Where does vinegar come from? I really must be some sort of <laughs> leaf turned oil. <laughs> I have no idea. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> This is this is not a hate tweet, but it is very funny. The worst betrayal of my life happened when I read To Kill a Mockingbird and thought Harper Lee was Asian because of her last name. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> this happens this was so devastating. It happens to me a lot. Um Whenever someone's last name is Lee, my mom's last name is Lee, uh-huh. uh, I'm like, just let Asians have this. Stop it. <laughs> you can use it for your first name, whatever. Sure. But I fully read, because I, I also, we didn't have any Asian writers. I think we had one book by Linda Sue Park, which was an optional read. Right. Um, and then after that, I was like, oh, great. Harper Lee, amazing. And they were like, this is the best. She's, you know, a classic American writer. And I was like, I love her. Also, Asian people often, if they're, if they're immigrants, will name their kids sort of old-timey American names. Like, I know a lot of, like, Nathaniel Kims, you know, things like that. Uh So when I read Harper Lee, I was like, yeah, Harper is some weird (laughs) Asian (laughs) choice of a name for a child. Um, And turns out she's just this, like, innocuous white lady (laughs) who wrote a very good book. (laughs) (laughs) I feel this way about um, the Southern General Robert E. Lee. Also, yeah, Yeah, if I hear him referred to as Robert Lee, like, in a history textbook, I'm like, that's some Asian guy named Bobby Lee. (laughs) But, (laughs) You have to put the E in there for me to remember. Oh, not a good man. <laughs> right, right. I know. What? Yeah, what a horrible example also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a great example of what you're talking about. But yeah, just a horrible bearer of that name. True. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? Um, I'm mostly active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's my name, Karen Chi, with an extra E at the end. And then same thing on Instagram. Um, I've got a website. You can Google. <laughs> yeah, just anywhere out and about. Amazing. Yeah. And, of course, you write for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, occasionally popping up on, on camera. Yeah. It's so everybody can it's look so out. Thank you. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down easier, starting with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? So technically, I saw the first two seasons of The Leftovers, but I don't know why I never finished it because I really liked it. And I think about certain scenes from The Leftovers all the time. Uh-huh. So I finally started season three. <laughs> so I'm two episodes in and I'm already like, holy fucking shit, this is the greatest show. I've never watched <gasps> The Leftovers. It's so good. I mean, it's not a show you want to binge because it's very heavy and uh-huh. and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just heavy. Not in like a scary way, just 
it, it's a thinker. It's a real thinker. Also, it's, Justin Theroux is naked a lot. So it's J.J. Abrams, right? No, it's it's Damon Lindelof. Oh, same thing. No. <laughs> I think that's why my hesitation was like I I spent so much of my life on Lost for an ending that was questionable. Okay. Well, I don't know. The Leftovers. It's based off a book. It's been on HBO for a while, but it's only right. three seasons. But um, it's over now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done. And it's just remarkable TV. So that's what I'm watching. I'm I'm finishing up season three. Nice. What, what about you? Uh, I finished The Morning Show. I, I know my endorsement last week was pretty lackluster. It sure was. <laughs> and yeah, I, I will say the last episode was like pretty amazing. So like if you've started it, I would recommend like seeing it through. All right. All right. But yeah, so I finished that. And now um, I downloaded Disney Plus to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm secretly a 12-year-old. I'm not so secretly a 12-year-old boy Good. who still wears cargo jorts. Yeah, I never was a Simpsons kid. I don't think I think that was one of the few shows that my mom was like, I don't really want you to watch that. Yeah, my mom wouldn't let me, but my brother who's 14 years older would always watch it, so I'd like sneak into his room and watch it with him and it was like a bonding thing, but I didn't watch it like start to finish by any means. I was never, yeah, I don't know. And then I think I just, like, it lost its appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know, like, obviously it is it, The Simpsons. Yeah, like it's <laughs> incredible. It's great. It's all the good things. It's like, yeah, it can be very dumb, and it's for, it's mostly for teenage boys. But it does feel like one of those, like, seminal shows mm-hmm. that I, I should watch all of it. And... I feel like this is one of the first services that it's like you can go and watch all every episode from start to finish. So I'm doing it all How 30 many? fucking yeah, seasons. I was going to say, there's so many episodes. And it's also one of those, I need to get into a groove with it because it's also one of those shows that I like should be able to just kind of have on in the background. Mm. But there are also so many like visual jokes that I don't want to miss. Anyway, it's what a struggle my life is. <laughs> Also, Shit's Creek. We yeah. watched the first episode together. We laughed a lot. It's back, final season. Yeah. So many good Moira moments in the first episode. So the wigs alone. <laughs> What's your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is an episode of Song Exploder, the podcast, where they break down a song with the artist who wrote it or sang on it or whatever. Uh-huh. And the episode is about closing time. Yes. And like for a song that you know every word to, that like you hear every karaoke that you hear at the end, the closing of any bar that you're in. I never knew or really thought about the song itself. It is, it's got a really great story <laughs> behind it. And I like, I appreciate it so much more now. But I, I don't want to spoil it because it, like you really, you should take the whatever 20 minutes that that podcast episode is and just listen to it. But um, it, it has to do with like his daughter who was being born at the time of writing that song. And like there were complications and like there's just double meaning with like every sentence of that song in a way that you just would not. You'd, you'd take that song for granted in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, but it was great. It was super great. And I was just like, damn, what a great song. Who I've never heard of that podcast before. Song Exploder? Yeah. Oh, it's a classic. Let me pull up some of the artists so I can give you. 
Yeah, Song Exploder is a great podcast. It's a podcast where musicians take apart their songs and piece by piece tell the story of how they were made. It's awesome. They like always have the stems for it. So you like hear parts of the song you never really heard. I want him to do one of Ariana Grande so bad because I just want to hear her acapella from that. Um, but I don't know, like Robin, he did one with Robin for Honey. Uh, they had Vampire Weekend, Meek Mills. These are just some of the recent ones. Um, Cheryl Crow. The Cranberries, like it, Sharon Von Eden. It, it, there's so many different kinds of music that he does it with. And like they're all usually under a half hour. Um, but closing time was 25 minutes. And like I really loved listening to it and I recommend it. And it made me happy. It didn't make me cry. Other people were tweeting that like it made them cry. But it. I was just like, damn, this is great. What a song. Yeah. Yeah. What's your chaser this week? Uh, my chaser is... Goodreads, the app, even though it is a terrible app. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, well, yeah, Goodreads is a site that aggregates book reviews and you sign up for a profile, whatever, and can like, you know, make your book list. I have the app on my phone and I like setting my like reading challenge. Mm -hmm. My goal this year is 40 books. All right. You can Um, do that. You've done it before. Yeah. I, I hope to surpass that. But yeah, I think, I mean, I mentioned last week that I finished Little Women. Do you want to talk about Little Women again? <laughs> and about Little Women again. I also saw Little Women. So I like I my my trying to get back into reading more and uh yeah, I read I read a book that a friend recommended called All About Love by it's like one of Bell Hooks's books. Mm-hmm. If you know Bell Hooks is like the feminist yep. theorist. Mm-hmm. It was not that great. <laughs> 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 no offense to Bell Hooks. <laughs> it was just like, all right, sure. <laughs> but basically, I mean, yeah, I don't have to talk about this book that I did not really like that much. The whole point was like, we live in a culture that like doesn't really value love all that much. Like, I, I mean, especially now. This book was written like 20 years ago, but it's like, yeah. But I think also... I'm trying to be, in general, a less cynical person in life, which I know is ironic given everything that I do and say. (laughs) (laughs) But it did make me think about, like, um, yeah, trying to be, like, just trying to control that part of me that wants to roll my eyes at everything. Mm -hmm. Like, there is that voice that is constantly... I have outside of me that watches everything I do and rolls my eyes immediately after it comes. It just pulls that string <laughs> and then your eyeballs are like, we can't even help it. Yeah, so I'm trying to be less that way. And to the extent that that book made me think that way, it was fine. But yeah, I'm trying to get better at reading more. Um, so uh, yeah, Goodreads is a nice way to keep me on track. And I see my there's a little progress bar that goes across as you mark each book read. It makes me upset how effective those things are. Like, I don't like the company Amazon, and I'm trying not to do Audible, but I got hooked in. And then they do these badges that are like, you, you know, it's like high noon and like, you got this badge. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> it makes me so mad that that works on me. I'm like, I am not a Girl Scout. Right. I'm an adult woman. I'm also trying to be better about, yeah, may, maybe not getting everything off of Amazon, especially yeah. books. I don't know the last time I've ordered something off of Amazon, but Audible, it's I, it's just because they had that Laura Dern Little Women. It was an Audible exclusive, and I really <laughs> wanted to listen to that. And then they had another Audible exclusive of Emma Thompson narrating 
Emma, the Jane Austen book. And I was like, fuck, okay, I'm going to listen to that. And then I'm going to stop and find a better audiobook app because I've really gotten into audiobooks. I'm like fully in now. Yeah. Um, I started uh, listening to A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Because mostly I just searched Stephen Fry on Audible. Oh, okay. And I was like, yeah. And that was one of the books he narrates. I should listen to that. I have never read that either. That's what I'm doing with audiobooks now is like listening to the classics that I've never read feels like a good use of my audiobook time. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Dale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Closing time. I thought you knew all the words. I don't. <laughs> but I know the story. Do you want me to say meat car in my anal garage again? At least four times. <laughs> <laughs>